Big Fluff. Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Uh, hi, Joe. Uh, hi, Chris. Uh, I, I have a few things that I wanted to talk to you about before we get started. Some podcast uh, prep work? Yeah, kind of like that. Let's say that. Housekeeping? Well, let's just say that first off... Uh, we're recording this episode the night that we were supposed to have it out. Uh, yeah. So, and we don't normally do that, and we don't want you to think that we're pod fading or anything, uh, but we've been real busy making movies. Is that a giant concern of yours? You see that a lot. It is, man. <laughs> I don't I don't like pod faders. It sucks when you... I listen pod to... You know, faders. I listen to like 80-some podcasts, mm-hmm. and I you can just tell if one of them is starting to like fizzle and you're like oh no because i really like it and they're very niche and i enjoy them very much and i'm just saying that uh we've been busy making movies and we Mm -hmm. entered another film festival yes we did uh the 29 day film 29 days later film project right uh where joe and i and my lovely wife Mm -hmm. uh made a movie and i believe uh your friend jenny Mm -hmm. as well also helped out she did some audio work for it yeah so we've all been doing that and because of that uh and a few other ailments and things we had to push back so sorry if this is going to come out a few days late but it happens mm-hmm. uh the next thing i wanted to say is joe yeah how was texas pew, 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 pew. Doop, doop, doop. all right yeehaw tickle my biscuits <laughs> taking my biscuits isn't that tickle my biscuits oh tickle my biscuits yeah it's, Tick- well, it's, it's more like who pissed in my chili <laughs> it was great i love texas yeah i, I was Raised in Texas and been back many, many times for different reasons. And it's always an interesting, fun, and just, it's a gorgeous state. Now, you were, like, way up in the hills, right? Uh, West Texas, yeah. In West Texas. So you weren't in Texas. West Texas. You weren't even in Texas anymore. You were in West Texas. Texas is a country unto itself. Right. We flew into Dallas and then had to drive six, seven hours west to get oh, to Lord. where we were. And even then, even where we were, it was still another probably six or seven hours drive west to get out of Texas. That's insane. So, yeah. But you were like up in the hills, like where... The like, mountains. What do they call it? The, the mountains in like yeah. scrubland or whatever, right? Where it's, sure. Where it's... Right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Scrubland? Well, before the mountains, yeah. It's all flat, So it's just like... There's just scrubland. like... Uh, Tumbleweed. And, Cacti and cacti and, and like, road runners. <laughs> Did you see road runners? Yeah, well, Jenny hit one on the car. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> nope. Oh, the little birds. <laughs> Did it go <laughs> meep meep? Yeah. <laughs> oh. And she just had the right Acme vehicle. Oh, good lord! It was. I mean, you she's know. so she did what the Wiley e. Coyote could, has been trying could, to do for years. <laughs> for years, <laughs> exactly. And she didn't even paint like a like nope. a hole in the side of the car nope, or anything. Nothing. That's just that's nuts. Straight up. Meep meep. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> Now, usually when I hear about people talk about Texas, they hit our armadillos, right? Because uh, they lay in the road just like rocks sitting there, and then they yeah. jump up when you drive over them mm-hmm. and, like, jump into your grill. Right. Yeah. I, we saw nary a uh, armadillo. Did you cast any, any lizards? They're, they were all over the damn place. Really? Lizards, millipedes, and a lot of scorpions. Oh, the scorpions. Yeah. 
Those are awesome. Mm-hmm. I had uh, Scorpion Pops for a while. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember, remember those? those? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For uh, when I did um, stuff for my sideshow, I yeah. would put out on the merch booth. Mm. Also, I performed last weekend for the first time in a long time at yeah. the Maryland Independent Label Festival mm-hmm. or Millfest, and it was awesome. It was very good. Yeah. I stapled. It hurt. I swallowed several <laughs> swords, and it was good. I've taken a lot of the summer off just to spend time with Sammy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just a couple things we wanted to talk about because I have not got a chance to catch up with Joe I in know. a long time, and you all had to hear it. So, yeah. well, I guess we'll start getting into tonight's episode. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a bit funky. I I think so. It might. It I. I mean, it could be thick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be a monster about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a good one. We better behave. <laughs> Oh, God, cheese puns. Yes. Tonight might be a little bit cheesy. We are discussing the cheese. Joe, so yeah. uh, I guess the first thing you need to do is cut the cheese. Oh, okay, hold on. Ready? Uh, oh, you mean the actual cheese? Yeah, I, yeah, yes, you do. So, you okay, as we do this episode, you actually brought... I brought some cheese. And you want to describe which ones you brought... Uh, that's fine. Do you want to you want to do it now, or do you well, want to do it at the describe thing? the ones, and we'll throughout the episode we'll sure. Okay. Well, I brought a uh, I believe it's a French uh, called a cremeau. Mm-hmm. It ends with an X. Right. It's a cremeau, uh, and then this one here. This one is a um, a, a Spanish blue. Ooh. So uh, now those two on the end, mm. those are two different types of French 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 mozzarella. <laughs> A fresh mozzarella that that Dana and I and Sammy made. Oh, awesome. So that one that you have there in your hand, that one actually is done with truffle salt. Oh, is that the truffle salt I gave you? Yes. No, no. That We bought more more truffle salt (laughs) because truffle salt is delicious. Yeah. So uh, we we made that. And then the second one there was uh, some uh, mozzarella that we made with just basically like salt and pepper and a few other assorted like spices mm-hmm. that we had I, i'm not i don't even remember what's in it i made like a grinder spice mix okay where i just threw a whole like, bunch of different spices like into your, a, your uh special uh like scarborough special it's like secret Scar- spice yeah it's mr scarborough dash okay. is basically <laughs> what i made gotcha. you know what i mean with your like house some, special some salt yeah. and some pepper and like some uh i think it was like some basil and some thyme and some sage that i got from the garden yeah, yeah, and like i just ma- magic dust I, yeah i just shoved it all in there and i, I put that i grinded that into it Cool. So very yep. nice. So that's I, it, and I, we'll we'll go along and try those when we did it. And I, it was pretty awesome, like making fresh mm-hmm. mozzarella. I'd never done it before, and Dana had done it several times. So mm-hmm. we did it, and we also filmed it. Oh, so hopefully mm-hmm. uh, we'll get that out to you soon. <laughs> Joe has to edit it, so it, it'll if, be it'll accompany the video. So, uh, so hopefully the it. audio that you're listening to right now. Yes, hopefully. So I think everyone knows what cheese is. What's cheese, Joe? Oh, cheese. <laughs> oh, cheese. Jesus. In researching this, I thought it would be interesting to figure out the etymology of the word cheese. So it comes from the Old English cise or kais, C-Y-S-E. And that comes from the West Germanic kajas or kajas, K-A-S-J-U-S. And that comes from the classic Latin, Cassius. And then that even comes from further back from the Proto-European root quat, which means to ferment 
or become sour. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, cassius is the actual root word for cassian, a protein in cow's milk. Is it cassian or casein? Casein, cassian. Eh, it really depends. Sh- yeah. yeah. I thought it was neat that there is a, a word for the hobby of collecting cheese labels. Oh, really? Yeah, it is tyrosemiophilian, or philia. So that is to collect cheese labels. There's also a phobia of cheese. Really? Yeah. Who doesn't like cheese? People who are afraid of it. I guess so. Maybe a bad experience with hot molten Velveeta on their face. I had a bad experience. <laughs> right, exactly. I but- said I had a bad experience. <laughs> That is called turophobia. And the Greek word for cheese is turo. Turo. Yeah. Or turai. Either way. What does it end with? T-U-R-I is the Greek word for cheese. Yeah. Okay. So, but the, I guess the Latin translation from the Greek word would be turo. Got it. So, because we're doing cheese puns throughout this, uh, riddle me this. What is a cannibal's favorite cheese? Mm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say head cheese. Limb burger. Oh! Daughter party. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as I can suss out, cheese itself dates back between 3000 to 8000 BCE, or before cheese was evolved. See what I did there with the BCE? BC. Before cheese Oh, oh God, Lord. <laughs> it was so bad I didn't catch it. Damn it. The first cheese was made by accident. According, caveat here, according to an ancient legend, when an Arabian merchant put his supply of milk into a sheep's stomach pouch, because that's how they used to carry liquids back then. Right, Usually yeah. in a blown up stomach of some animal. Yeah, they, uh, they would... Uh, or sometimes they would also put wine in it. Right, wine, uh, right? They would water. call it like a wine bladder. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Or, but it's, it's a self-contained, think of a, a camelback well, insert. The, yeah, you know? exactly. But instead of plastic, it's a something stomach. Right. So we have, yeah, yeah. they would put wine or any kind of fluid in one of these, uh, one of these things mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and hold on to it, um, which is a lot of the... A, a lot of people think that that's how we got wine was someone squeezed a bunch of grape juice into one of those and, right, and let it, it fermented. Sit and they forgot about it or whatever. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. So he apparently was setting out across the desert because he was a merchant to go sell some stuff in the nearby town. But through the, the process of him walking through the desert for a couple of days in the sun and everything, uh, the rennet, which is an enzyme in the stomach of mostly sheep and goats, Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, plenty of other animals. It's, but at the time, that's what they, that was the big herding, you know, that's what people cultivated was goats. Right. Through the trip, between the heat and uh, the time, the milk separated due to the rennet mm-hmm. and causing curds and whey. Right. And by the time he got there, the night that he stopped, he found that they had separated. And now there was this, like, milky like light milky white fluid on the top of the the bladder. Mm -hmm. I know a lot about that. (laughs) And at the bottom was this sort of 
cottagey, cheesy, curdy, lumpy stuff that he also ate. Mm-hmm. And he, that's where cheese was born. And cheese was good. Right, exactly. But it dates back to, like I said, probably 8,000 years. The earliest evidence of cheese that I was able to find in my, my studies dates back to about 1615. Oh, way before that. Well, I, I'm just saying like the... Like the earliest cheese, actual cheese that they could find. Not I, because well, they, you're probably talking like. No, they actually found uh, they carbon dated a dairy-like substance that was in some urns in an Egyptian tomb. Oh, really? And it turned out to be a form of cheese. Oh, okay. Now I don't know if that was post, yeah, or pre, but all of the structures were there. Everything seemed like. They put cheese in there, or milk that soured and turned into cheese in the vessel. Well, the, the, this is the one that I found that was uh, 16, 1615 B, uh, BC. They were uh, uh, m- actual mummies of Chinese origin. They mm. found mummies in China, uh, and they have like fur hats and fur jackets, and you know they're they're covered and they're buried, obviously dead, but right. on top of them crumbs around their their neck and chest Mm -hmm. they had little bits of cheese that were sprinkled on top of them Hmm. and they haven't been able to figure out exactly why uh the cheese was sprinkled on top of them but it it was and so they were buried like that so So they were buried with the crumbs of cheese yes on top of their bodies yep either that Hmm. or they died while they were eating cheese but it looked like (laughs) a burial i was gonna say maybe someone dug them up and was eating cheese while it's like what are those things (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it was actually, yeah, they found out that it was actually a type of cow's milk mm-hmm. uh, because they were able to, I guess, genetically test it. Yeah. They found out it was it was definitely cow's milk. It was definitely uh, a, a cheese that they found laying on top of these, uh, laying on top of these guys. That's pretty awesome. They also found that some of the plant seeds and animal tissues that were found in the same tombs uh, dated back to like 1450 and 1650 BC. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously, you know, they had been buried there for a while with right. that cheese on top of them. Right. Maybe they were like cheese-making Egyptian monks or something, and they were buried with the thing that they did the best in China. I they were Egypt. cheese. No, it was in China. China. It was Chinese cheese mummies. That's weird because China doesn't have a lot of cheese. Right. They're they're getting there. They are yeah. starting to pick up with their cheese production but yeah one of the one of the least you know cheese heavy uh cheese laden countries uh well all of asia mm. is kind of n- not cheesical <laughs> not very cheesy not very cheesy you know <laughs> so then we fast forward 1880 there were about 3923 dairy farms making cheese or probably making something around 216 million pounds of cheese, and that's between almost 4,000 dairy farms ma- who were making cheese at 1880, if you just kind of go by the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's still a lot of cheese. Yeah. Well, as as my favorite recent podcast uh, says, uh, wh- which is uh, Doughboys. Have you, have you listened to any Doughboys? Don't, because it just makes you want to eat. But <laughs> they review chain restaurants. Okay. But they were making fun of one of the two co-hosts mm-hmm. about how he would say he would go shoot hoops in his backyard okay. and then come in and eat like eat like you know off of the block of cheese. <laughs> okay. And they were like they were like you. 
why, why do you want to exercise and then come in and like, like eat cheese or whatever? Yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. well, it's it's good for you, you know. It's got a lot of, protein, a lot of protein and stuff like that. Of... And he was like, yeah, 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 okay, because it's frozen milk, right? Yeah, because you're eating frozen. It milk. has it has something. I think it's like five times the amount of fat as if you have a cup of milk. Right. And you have a cup of cheese. There is five times the amount of fat in a cup of cheese than there is in a cup of milk. Right, and you need to be lubricated when you're playing basketball. Right? Apparently, yeah, yeah, with cheese. With, with cheese. Yeah. So then by 1970 and 1980, uh, some $60 billion pounds, with a B, were being made throughout the world. 11 to 12 billion pounds a year by 2013. That's a lot of effing cheese. There's a lot of cheese. There are over 2,000 varieties of cheese in over 74 countries. And it's just swelling. It's, it's expanding like so much cheese would. So are we saying that there are some countries that don't eat cheese at all? No, I don't. I couldn't find. I, these are producers. These are, these are oh, the ones that, right. that make cheese for whether it's a small town's consumption or... A large city consumption right like these are countries that are known for making cheese have production stats that you can quantify and say okay they they have 10 dairy farms in this tiny little country and they all make cheese but they still count right you know so this is a global snapshot on the world of cheese making right and you know the thing is is that uh what i kind of like about cheeses is a lot of the time they are named, the traditional types of cheeses are named after the little town that they're made in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, so for instance, we have uh, cheddar. Yep. Comes from the town of cheddar. England, yeah. Yeah, cheddar, England. Mm-hmm. So besides mozzarella, I think cheddar is probably the most second eaten cheese in the world. Mm-hmm. So, and of course you have your your white cheddar, mm-hmm. your sharp cheddar, your... Well, that's the thing. Most, most cheddars, a lot of cheeses are going to be naturally on the pale white scale. Right, because they're made from yellowed. milk. Right, or lightly yellowed. A lot of the additive colors you get in like American cheese and those cheddar cheeses that are like bright. Well, American cheese yellow. isn't cheese. I know. That's processed cheese food to make to be made to look like cheddar. Right. It has some cheese in it. Right. But a small percentage is actual cheese. Right. So, but my 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 personal favorite cheese has got to mm-hmm. be cheddar. Okay. So I, I think I have a block of it in my fridge right now. Right. Uh, it is the uh, Cabot Super Sharp, Extra Sharp. I don't know. It's the one that it has like a, uh, a, a little, little plaid. brick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and it yeah, has yeah. like a plaid pattern mm-hmm. on it or yeah. whatever. Cabot is my favorite. Um, so why it's, I mean, not specifically that, but it's like the most available, easily bought cheese it around here. It is, yeah. So when you're talking some some cheddar, so but uh, it is uh, it it's kind of a inexpensive cheese. It's not really you know extremely you know pricey, which is why I like it and I right. like to put it on things and it melts decently. Right. So but um, the the milk is is cultured with the starter bacteria mm-hmm. to acidify the milk, very much like if you've ever had like a kefir or uh, what's the other stuff that they call like a like a milk kefir. Mm-hmm. They also have water kefir. And uh, and a Kiefer Sutherland and a Kiefer Sutherland and then there's also shoot what is the other stuff I'm thinking of a uh, kombucha oh kombucha it's, yeah it's very like you know well, what I mean that's is, where it gets it is all from the, cheeses 
are part of the process of fermentation. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, so and I mean... Well, curdling is different than fermentation. The no, fermentation of it is what gives the, the flavor. Right. And then right. and then the curdling of it with the rennet is what gives it its texture. Right, So but and then a, it's a chemical reaction. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. All cheeses are made with the process of fermentation. Mm-hmm. Also, the... the the difference in how much you heat it mm-hmm. can change the the texture of it, and yep. the the curds in cheddar are heated to a hundred degrees Fahrenheit hmm. in order to release more whey and start them to get them to melt together. Right, uh, and then at that point, uh, we, and this is called the cheddaring process. The curds are formed into big slabs and are piled together. Now, the reason why it has that yellow color is most of the time it's dyed with a natto. Do you know what a natto is? A vegetable. It's like a, it's like a, I've used it before uh, when I make saffron rice. Mm-hmm. So if you have that yellow saffron rice, uh, what- Usually saffron will turn an entire batch will, of rice. Will turn stuff yeah. yellow. But if you're making fake saffron rice- Oh, see, there's your problem. You use a natto and it'll give it that nice golden, golden you, rod color. Do you need some saffron? Do I? I've yeah, like saffron's expensive. I got like two bottles of it. Man, what are you, what are you bootlegging it? No. It's you bootlegging <laughs> saffron? Yeah. <laughs> Secondary market, buddy. <laughs> so, but you, yeah, you have the, the orange versus the white cheese. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, historically, it is uh, it is made with the annatto to give it that nice, you know, delicious color. Delicious color. Delicious orange color. <laughs> You're like a synesthesia or a synesthesiate. Food has a color to you, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. No, Food it taste, does actually have taste a color. Have a co- taste has a color. But historically, uh, like the cheddars that are made in New England uh-huh. are left undyed. Yes. While the cheddars made elsewhere uh, are are dyed with the annatto to give yeah, it those it's like the mint, colors. It's to, like mint chocolate chip ice cream. So you can tell where the origins are. Right. So I don't understand what you were going with the mint chocolate chip. Uh, because a lot of companies will dye it green to suggest there's mint That it's inside. mintiness. Right. right. When mint extract is clear. So the difference between the sharp and the super sharp. Uh, so mild cheddars are aged from two to three months. Sharp are aged from six to nine months. And extra sharp are aged from 11 to two years old. And as the cheddar ages, it goes from mild to tangier to tangier to tangier. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a, a more complex flavor and a deeper flavor. Right. So it's a, a, a bite almost. Right. And yeah. I, myself, I love that super duper sharp, just boom. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is my absolute favorite kind of, kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's really good to cook with. You know what I mean? When you're making like mac and cheese, like your own. Oh, and just grate that on mac, top. Just oh. grate that on top. Oh, so good. Yep. So good. <laughs> Okay, so before we actually start getting into the cheese that you brought, uh, some basic cheese tips, okay? Now, there really is no particular rule. Mm-hmm. There's no really really no rhyme or reason on how or why to eat cheese. It's great. It's There's so many different flavors and stuff, but people kind of can be scared by the how do you cut it, how do you taste it. It's like wine. You know, wine, beer, anything that takes time and patience and skill to to learn how to make well, Mm -hmm. cheese is very much the same way. So there are some loose, loose rules. Or or to drink it well as well. Because, I mean, with certain wines, you know, the way you smell it and, and, uh, you know, same thing with hard liquors or or beer. Right. So So. throughout, we'll, we'll throw in some cheese tips. But first, before we break into yours, you should always try them mild to sharp. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and that prevents palate don't, fatigue. Don't jump into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, we will talk about the deep end. 
uh, soft to firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way you'll be able to taste the, the difference in ages. Mm-hmm. Soft uh, to firm, also good in lovemaking. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, too much information. Thin to thick. Mm-hmm. So is that also good? <laughs> also good in lovemaking. Okay. Uh, to taste the subtlety in the flavors. You always start off with a real thin sliver. Mm-hmm. You know, that, let, sort of like let it meld in your tongue and everything. Well, I would imagine, like, uh, that's actually my favorite thing to do mm. is, you know, and it's the same thing with, like, tomatoes. Anything that has oh, a yeah. really good flavor. Yeah. Super nice and thin, mm-hmm. and, it, and it'll kind of melt on your mouth. Right. and you, you get, get all the aromas and textures. Right. Well, I mean, once you go to the the thicker cut, mm-hmm. that's when you get to know, like, things like the stringiness or the, the moisture content. Or right. The, the more meatier parts of the cheese, mm-hmm. even if it's a soft cheese. Right. You can still, there's a bit of meatiness to it. Uh, but all cheeses, I say all, should be served room temperature. It is suggested you let it sit on a counter at least an hour before serving. Right. And this is exactly what I do with my craft Singles. I let it sit on the counter for an hour. And then it turns into a puddle of goo. I let the cat lick it, and then I put it on my sandwich. I'm just kidding. I don't have a cat. (laughs) Okay, you let Sammy lick it. I mean, if he wants to. I I don't know why. Except, the exception is fresh cheeses. So if you can find a place that has fresh mozzarella or fresh creme fraiche, you know, like freshly made in the past couple of days or past week or so, those typically can be served cold because they're a soft, fresh cheese. And you want to be able to taste all of the quote-unquote freshness. That's mm-hmm. why you made them fresh. They're, they're not an aged... One of my favorites, and I, there's a grocery store out here called Wegmans that's been gaining a lot of popularity recently. It's um, all over the place. It is, but I mean, we've just started really getting them out here in the past mm. three or four years. True, yeah. Uh, so we uh, we started going there, and we were like, oh, this is awesome. I really like this place. Then we found the cheese section. The fromagerie? I literally have to handcuff Dana to the cart to stay away <laughs> from the cheese section. Because suddenly it'll go from like $150 that I was spending at the grocery store to $250 that yeah. I'm spending at the grocery store just in cheese. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, uh, for the past uh, probably four or five years, mm-hmm. probably less, probably about four years, uh, I've been privy to go to a few wine and cheese parties. Right. And it's... Uh, which, should we mention too, our friend Kelly mm-hmm. has invited us. She, you went the one year, and we I've went... I've been the past three or four years. Right, and yeah. I, I st- I've gone to a few of them, and mm-hmm. thank you, Kelly, for having the wine and cheese parties. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely amazing. Yeah, so, so basically, someone bring a cheese and a wine, or vice versa, or whatever else you want to bring. And I tend to go a little little uh, cheesy. A little, little yeah. nuts? Yeah. Little cheese and nuts? Yeah, exactly. So I end up spending a lot of money on cheese. Right. And I tend to bring probably six cheeses. Yeah. Which, you're like, six cheeses? How is that a lot of money? But when you are getting, you know, a five-year-old age, you know, French Gruyere that's cave-aged, and it right. runs you... 15 bucks for, you Right, know. the rent in that cave is absolutely high. Yeah, no, it's, you know yeah, I mean? but it's like family-owned cave, and that's where they make their The cheese. Shroud of Turn came out of that cave. Exactly. So, and, you know what, what I mean? They used to the put Dead, on the Dead Sea Scrolls came out of that cave, right. and now you're getting cheese out well, of it. Well, that's what they wash the cheese with. <laughs> oh, good The God. rind, yeah. 
All right, so do you want to break into one of yours? I do. So we're going to have to grab some knives. Okay. Uh, but I also wanted to mention one of my f absolute favorite fresh cheeses. Okay. Let's uh, let's go with this one first. Remember, soft to hard. Well, uh, I know, but no, no, no. These are mild both soft. To sharp. These okay. are both soft. So which one is, is more mild? This one's a little bit more mild. Okay. This is the one with the Mrs. Dash and all that. This is the, the Scarborough. The Scarborough Dash. Magic Dust. Right. So let me uh, let me go grab a, a knife okay. real quick, and I'll be right back. Okay, so we were talking about Wegmans earlier, mm -hmm. and one of my favorite fresh cheeses that they have is uh, just a farmer's cheese, which is, it's kind of like, I don't know, like like a like less moisture content, drier cottage cheese or something like that. Okay. But it's, it's I think I've, you've had it before. It's so, so good. Probably. I, I get lost in the I brought the it to cheese. one of the wine and cheese parties. Yeah. Did you yeah. know, real quick, the... Uh, the word fromagerie or fromage mm -hmm. comes from the Latin word form. Oh, uh, like the form of cheese. Yeah, like, right. a, like a, a, the, the cheese forms that you put all the all the cheese the into. curd in right. and all that stuff to make your cheese. Yeah, to make it well, with the from. with the cheese cloth around mm -hmm. it. Yep. Also, I just want to mention uh, a lot of the time they're circular, like a wheel. Yes, and that is because. Uh, when they finally turn hard, because they're very heavy, instead of picking them up and carrying them, you can roll them to where you need to go. Right. So, so let's uh, let's try this. This is the mozzarella with the with the with the Mister Dash in it. So just kind of like. And this is a soft, fresh cheese. You guys yep, made soft, this like, fresh like a day or two ago. A few days ago. Yep. Hmm. You like it? Yeah. It's really good. It's got some chewiness to it. Oh yeah, yeah it's sort bit. of al, al dente. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that would be awesome. Just grate it up and put on a flatbread pizza. Right, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Now the reason why I wanted you to try that one before you tried the the truffle mm. mozzarella is truffle. because it's truffle mozzarella. Well, again, go back to your rules. Right. You know, uh, mild to sharp. Exactly. So. So and sharp. I mean, truffle is not a sharp flavor, but it is a heavy, prominent. It, it is a very prominent flavor yeah. that is just, it, it's, it doesn't suck you in the mouth or anything, but, mm -mm. but but I really wanted you to be able to taste that. But your mouth needs a rest. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the fresh mozzarella with the, with the, uh, with the truffle is mm. way more exciting than this one. I like that. But this is like, this is like a perfect, like snacky mozzarella. Like I would put that on anything. Yeah. Just a you snacky know? mozzarella. Yeah. Right. Like a polio cheese stick. Yeah, with a bit more flavor. Right, exactly. Because it's homemade. Because mm -hmm. it's made with love. So, of course, you have a, the cow. Mm -hmm. Probably the most prominent one that we know of today that makes cheese. Well, the right. cows don't make cheese. That'd be weird. Uh, the cow's milk, we make cheese into. Mm -hmm. Then you have the other typical ones, goats, right? Uh, Goat cheese. <laughs> Goat right. cheese is yes. awesome. Goat cheese is awesome. Yeah. One thing I found, buffalo. Buffalo mozzarella is... Uh, it's not buffalo. Well, the traditional mozzarella buffalo mm -hmm. is actually made from water buffalo milk. Right. But Different I, than a buffalo. I, I have had buffalo mozzarella. Well, yes, yes. In a few dishes before, mm -hmm. in some, some penne pasta. Mm -hmm. uh, what do they call that? Um, anyway, it's absolutely delicious. Mm -hmm. There's also things like... Camel cheese. I don't know if I would eat camel cheese. Well, I mean, I hate to think. Camel milk is 
probably pretty, you know, potent. Pungent? Pungent. By itself. Potent and protein-laden. Yeah. Uh, but it is used to make cheese. Uh, donkeys. Okay. Mares and or horses. I don't know if I would eat horse, horse cheese either. In Mongolia, mm-hmm. that is one of the prominent... Prominent types of cheeses. They, yes, is, is because well they they big they, horse culture. Yeah, they raise horses, they ride horses, they, they race horses. Like that's part of their culture. Reindeer. So Santa Claus up in the uh, South Pole mm-hmm. is squeezing out some reindeer milk and making some some cheese I, over the summer break. Before Joe, I don't want Christmas. to think about that, but I'm sure if you really wanted to find that, you could Google it. <laughs> uh, sheep. Now, I've had some sheep's cheese. Mm-hmm. I think sheep's cheese is usually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Water buffalo, like I said, and or yak. Now, a lot of the time also, uh, with a few of the cheeses that I brought, uh, I believe they're like a mixture. So you'll have like, you won't just have like cow cheese, but you'll have like goat cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, like goat's milk mm-hmm. mixed with cow's milk, right. probably to milk it down, water it down. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can make more, but it, you, you're still going to have the same flavor. Right. Well, and plus, well, that's the other thing. It might add different flavors. Or depth. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if the texture of cow's cheese is not, or cow's milk is not exactly to your liking, you add a mm-hmm. little bit of, you know, goat milk. A little bit of donkey milk. Right, donkey milk, camel milk, you know, it might add something that you're looking for. Right. You know, and that's the whole evolution of 8,000 years of cheese, like, it was sort of experimentation. hmm The basic types of cheese, and this is mostly your fresh, fresh and firm, soft, semi-soft, semi-hard, hard, Semi-firm and firm. So those, those are your basic, like, you know, iconic, you can sort of classify this cheese in this category. Right. Because some cheeses are really hard to classify if you go by just taste or just by what cow or just by what region. But they have all these little breakdowns of classifications and things. But those Did you have the... nacho in there? Nacho cheese? Meh. I didn't, I didn't hear you say nacho. It's because it's not your cheese. It's nacho cheese. <laughs> and the cool thing is uh, they pretty much come in all different colors of that sort of like white to brown to some can be bluish and greenish and pinkish and really just depends on the ingredients that are put in. Right. So all the colors of the rainbow in the cheese. Did you know also, uh, do you know what kind of cheese... I mean, certain cheese you, you can eat in different situations as well. So you have like... Like you can only eat this kind of cheese at a funeral kind of thing? Yeah, that kind of thing. I didn't it's, know that. Yeah, but it, no, there, it's like, uh, for instance, when we have the wine and cheese party, some go with reds, nah, things like that. Yes, yes. They're, they're, so, you want to talk about pairings? We can. But well, first off, do you know what kind of cheese goes uh, when, goes with, uh, a, when you fight a bear? When I fight a bear, right, uh, I would have to say, I don't know, moose or bear cheese. No, it's uh, it's come on bear, uh, come on bear, come on bear. Sorry, you go, mean camembert? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk basic textures that you're going to run into. Uh, brittle, mm-hmm. as in uh, pecorino romano. 
Right. Uh, so, okay. So, like, a uh, crumbly, like, very... Romano. Like, very, very dry Crystalline, cheese. brittle. Right. Like Parmigiano-Riano. What is it? Par- Parmigiano-Riano. <laughs> right. Reggiano. Reggiano. Right. Uh, buttery, as in a nice brie. Mm-hmm. Chalky, like a feta. Chewy, like a overprocessed mozzarella. Mm-hmm. Which I dare say that the one that we've already tried, my mm-hmm. mozzarella, was a bit chewy. It's it's on the brink. But again, right. it's a fresh cheese you made like two or three days ago. Right. And that was our second our mm-hmm. second cheese that we made. Right. And there's other storage things that will help this last longer. Right. If it's still sitting in a the solution you had it in, it'll help it last a little bit longer. Yeah. Without outside air involving, you know, and yeah, getting any, in there. Yeah, typically, like getting it, keeping it closed up and airtight will will help it last. A right, longer. not too, not not like too airtight, and not too enclosed. There's a whole bunch of rules for you have to look it up. <laughs> Creamy, crumbly, crystalline. Like I said, there's a a five year old cave age Gruyere that I adore, mm-hmm. but if you break it open, you'll actually see these little crystalline structures. And they, they are shiny in the light. They're crystals. Right. Actual, um, like, crystals from probably from the salt or some other right, things inside right. of it. And it is a, a fantastic thing, like, a, the mouthfeel of just that sort of, like, little salty burst, you know. Right. And it's it's awesome. Uh, dry, it's smooth. It's like a cheese geode. A cheese ode. Yeah, a cheese ode. A cheese ode. A cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> dry, smooth, stringy, sticky, and tons of other adjectives you can throw in. So this comes from the wonderful and amazing site called cheese.com, because that exists. <laughs> As well it should. So this is part of their cheese and pairing suggestions. Again, not a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. You know, there are There's a lot of pomp and circumstance that can happen with frou-frou places that'll want you to try it a certain way, but it's cheese. It's meant to be eaten. That's pretty much what you do with it. So there are ways to enjoy it more and understand it more, mm-hmm. but it's cheese, so just eat it. They suggest the whiter and the fresher the cheese, the fruitier the wine should be. So if you're having wine and you want a cheese to match that or vice versa, that's a good key kind of thing to remember mm-hmm. just in the back of your head. Like if it's like that, you're, you know, your fresh mozzarella, you go for something fruity. That makes sense. A smooth, fatty cheese might go with a smooth or slightly oily wine. I don't think I've ever had an oily wine, but I think those tend to be more on the the fresher side of wines, like when they're f- first made. I think an oily wine is um, is that... called a vinaigrette. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sweet wine contrasts well with high acidity cheeses. Which, uh, me personally, I don't think so. I don't like sweet wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Moscato and that kind of stuff. That's right. not, not for me. So I would, wouldn't even drink that normally. But the high acidity cheeses with maybe a milder wine, uh, I, I would, that's what I would do. But again, this is all suggestion. It's, it's, it's really up to your individual tastes and palate. Right, I, and we've talked about like different pairings before. Yeah, of course. It's really it is up to your palate, but you know, when you do pair something, mm-hmm. it is just like that perfect note 
Yeah. When they yeah. when they kind of just like coalesce in your mouth, I, mm-hmm. I, that's my absolute favorite. Yeah. Of like any any feeling, mm-hmm. you know. White wine goes well with many more cheeses than reds, which I would think so. I don't. Again, my palate. No, no I don't. You're not a white wine fan. Right. And, but I think that's because of the sweetness, mm-hmm. you know, which I like the fruity dry white wines. Right. Uh, I don't like sweet when it comes to wine, you know, so that's why I typically stay away from white wines because they just tend to be overly sweet. Mm-hmm. Dry or fresh red wines go great with soft cheeses, especially goat cheese. Okay. Wines with a good or moderate acidity level should go well with very salty cheeses. So sort of contrast that. Contrast the two. Right. right. Yeah. So that's what, I mean, most of their principles and, you know, suggestions, it seems like everything is either on par with each other. Right. Or are contrasting each other. So you right. can kind of, it'll play off a fruity note or a this note or a that note. So, I mean, these are really simple basic rules. Or. Uh, or suggestions. If sorry. you were like me. Uh, in my 20s, mm-hmm. you can bust open the Boone's Farm and eat <laughs> slices of Kraft Singles. Sweet. You know what I mean? And just go to town. That sounds so horrible nowadays. <laughs> oh, my God. At least I said Boone's Farm and not uh, not Mad Dog 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me just say that the cheeses that we're eating right now, we're, we're pairing them with a, with a homebrew that I made, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a watermelon wheat. And I know we're coming to the end of the season the end of summer here, but we I really had to try some of these watermelon wheats out. So what did you think about it? It's a little I, bit... I like it now that it's sat in the bottle for a while. Right. When yeah. it's aged a bit, it's a lot more... It's not milder, but it, it's... The flavors have mellowed. The, yeah, it's blended kind of a little bit better. Congealed together. Right. You know, and I, I like it a lot better. Right, because you tried a bottle when it was like oh, only yeah. two weeks in the yeah. bottle. Yeah. yeah, this is a lot more up my alley than right than the fresh stuff. So yeah, so it's a watermelon wheat, very much to uh, like higher hell or high watermelon, like mm-hmm. from Twenty First Amendment. Right. Uh, but I wanted to also mention uh, because it is a watermelon beer. Uh, my wife would, if she was here, she would tell you. Uh, she used to work with a bunch of Egyptians mm-hmm. uh, when she worked at a pizza place. They owned yeah. the pizza place. She worked there. She was one of the managers. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they would do on very hot days, they would buy a large watermelon, and they would get a huge block of feta, and they would crumble the feta and cut the watermelon up in chunks and make like a fresh watermelon and feta salad. Oh, okay. And they would they would eat that with like subs and stuff like that that they would make. Oh, nice. So very much like a like a fruit and cheese salad. Yeah, yeah, uh, or but like you a, have like your a weird caprese sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have like your fresh watermelon and it's so weird to think like why would you eat cheese with watermelon? But sweet and salty, man. People eat grapes and cheese all the time, fruit and grapes, kiwi and grapes, so watermelon yeah, and yeah. feta um Seems like it would go pretty well together. So that nice. that's something that you might want to give a try, yeah. especially drinking one of these watermelon wheats. Mm-hmm. You might have to buy uh, one from somebody else, though, because I don't have that many left. So next up, we've got your fresh mozzarella with the truffle salt. Right. So this is, uh, yeah, fresh mozzarella, truffle salt. I think this came out, right, like you can smell it and it makes your mouth water. Yeah. I think this came out a lot better than the other cheese, which is why I wanted to try that one first. Right. So uh, I guess bottoms up. Give it a try. All right. 
I think it has a way better mouthfeel to it. Mm. It has it's a little a lot bit creamier. A lot creamier. Yeah. And then finally, when it starts to thin out on your tongue a little bit, mm-hmm. the truffle salt just envelops. Yeah. That's really good. Thank you. Nice job. My wife made the cheese. I decided to add the truffle salt. Mm. So it was a combination. And Sammy helped out. The weird thing is, is so when you're making it, mm-hmm. we actually use the microwave, which is obviously not how they used to do it back in the day. But right. what you have to do is you have to take your curds and you kind of get them in a lump. Mm-hmm. And then you have to bring them up to temperature, which I believe with this is like something like 130 maybe. Okay. And then once you do that, you kind of pull it like it's taffy. Right. Over and over and over sort of again. like candy making. Yeah. So you have to get it to the right temperature. Uh-huh. And the rennet helps uh, coagulate them and it turns it, it gives you that string cheese kind of texture to it. Okay, because you're building is, up the, the protein. Yep, in, in a line. So, right. uh, and, and yeah, you're basically doing it just like, you know, taffy. Huh. So you're pulling it and it's giving it that string cheese-like texture. And um, and yeah, that's how you that's how you kind of can do it with the mozzarella. So obviously, you know, you wouldn't normally use a, uh, you know, a microwave, but you use what you have in your kitchen. Right. And if it's easy to do, then go ahead and do it. You know, you use the modern technology. And by the way, you're going to love this. Uh, whatever it doesn't get eaten here, Joe, mm-hmm. that's yours to take home. Mm, sweet. <laughs> so a little pop quiz. Not really a pop quiz. Just a little thing I want you, want you to chime in with. So in the top 10 cheese producing countries, can you name the top three? Okay. Let me do this. Top cheese producing. Mm-hmm. Um, now I did, I did peep earlier. Not at that, but okay. I did peep uh, as I was doing research on cheese consumption. Okay. So I don't know if they correlate. They might. They, but they might. Yeah. So I'm gonna say first off, France. That's your number one. I'm gonna say France because they eat the most amount of cheese. So I would think that they would make the most amount of cheese. Okay. What's your number two? Hmm. I think that somewhere up near the top is also, uh, I believe it's Greece is some of the most cheese-eating people. <laughs> They're the cheesiest. They are. They are. I believe they are the most cheese-eating people is in Greece. Okay. And then I think, uh, I know that the Asian countries don't eat very much cheese. So I'm going to say, even though they have a larger population, they are not going to be it. And I'm going to go with... The United States. I'm going to go with Greece, the United States, and France. In that order? No. Does it have to be in order? Yeah. Damn it. Top the number Top one. Top cheese producing. Number two. Number three. Okay, I'm going to go with the United States. Okay. Greece, and France. You got two of them right. Whoa! You got two, two of them three. right. Uh, number two is Germany. Germany. Yeah. Big cheese eaters over uh, in Germany. Producers. Oh, big cheese know, producers. That's, that's why I didn't know if they would correlate. Right. Production and actual... Now, I saw Austria was very big on the cheese eating yeah. index. So the U.S., somewhere in the metric tons of 5 million tons. Mm-hmm. Germany, around 2 million. France, just under 2 million. Um and then you have Italy, Netherlands, Poland, Egypt, Russia, Argentina, and Canada. 
Oh, the yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Canada. Yeah. They seem like they would probably eat a lot of cheese oh, up eh? there, too. Yeah. You know? Man, Go honestly, really well with that Labatt blue. <laughs> yeah, Labatt's. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh. And drink some Molson Golden mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and have, like, a nice hunk of cheddar. Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> but the global cheese market is set to exceed $100 billion by 2019. I had to start making cheese for a living. I know shit. <laughs> I mean, no cheese. <laughs> so I also want to say, just uh, for some acidity as well, uh, I brought some fresh tomato salsa from my garden. Oh, nice. Well, uh, I actually have uh, gigantic jalapenos that I'm growing in my garden as well. And I'm literally serious. They're, they're about three quarters of the size of a bell pepper. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they're gigantic. Are you sure they're jalapenos? They are jalapenos. When I bought the plant, it was it's called a giant jalapeno oh, plant. Oh, well, there you go. I, I didn't know there were some weird... No, they are giant jalapenos. Pharmacological so, experiment. And they didn't have a whole lot of heat to them, but they added good flavor, so hmm. I added also some serranos okay. to it as well. I have some habaneros, but they weren't ready. So okay. if you want to try the salsa, I've got it there just Heck from yeah. some acidity to, to cut it. That's all fresh... Everything. There's some chippy chippies. Oh, um, man. You open that up and it's like garlic. Boof. That's awesome. Is that? that is very good salsa. Mm-hmm. Very good. I think having some acidity to go with a nice mild cheese is usually pretty good. Well, it's, it's like your it's like your ginger, you know, mm-hmm. after, after sushi or before sushi. Right. Cleanse your palate. And one of my favorite things to do is... Uh, we, we first started out making the mozzarella by getting a fresh mozzarella kit. Mm-hmm. You buy a gallon of milk. It comes with rennet. It comes with other stuff. Citric acid. Mm-hmm. Okay, it comes with all that stuff. You make the cheese. And then I had some, uh, some old wine. If you have old wine, one of the things that you can do is you can take like apple cider vinegar, the stuff that actually has like the mother with yes. the mother. Yeah. You'll see it. When you buy it, it'll say, with the mother. <laughs> right. That means it has the, the bacteria in it. The mother culture. Right. The that, main culture. That changes, uh, you know, an alcohol into a into a vinegar. Right. So if you have some old wine around, you can pour a little bit of that into a, a bottle of wine, cover the cap with uh, just a rubber band, and tie it around a piece of cheesecloth, mm-hmm. and let it sit for like two months, and bam, you have wine vinegar. Right. So what I like to do, you get some fresh tomatoes out of the garden. You get some wine vinegar. We make some of this mozzarella. I pick some basil, and we make our own mozzarella caprese. And man, we did that last year, and it was some of the best stuff I've ever had. You know, all fresh from the garden. This year, I decided to do, like, some salsa and stuff. But if you've got a lot of tomatoes, you can do all of that, you know, in a summer. And now, I mentioned um, I mentioned just part of the cheese-making process. I mentioned the citric acid. Mm -hmm. You can use citric acid. You can buy it, you know, and that's part of like our, you know, technology now that you can just buy that and throw it in the cheese and it adds flavor and it starts a, it starts a curding and a coagulation or a curding of the cheese. Mm -hmm. So because you need to separate the curds from the whey. Right. So, uh, and one of the ways you can do that is by, by curdling it with citric acid. Now, traditionally when I was talking about cheddar and other ways, uh, you you start to ferment it, and the acid that the yeast and the bacteria produce uh, is actually causing the curdling. Mm-hmm. So you can do it like it's all a chemical process. It's right. just naturally done chemi- chemically in in most cheeses how mm-hmm. it was done, 
or you can do it with a you know with chemicals that you bring in from the outside citric acid right so gotcha. uh, there's also a few cheeses that use real like citric you know citrus juice mm-hmm. to be able to do the same exact thing it's like ceviche but for cheese right yeah. exactly now one of the other ways that uh, well, one of the other things that you need is something called rennet. Now, mm-hmm. you mentioned it earlier when we mm-hmm. talked about the very beginnings when it was in a sheep's stomach. Right. Uh, it can also be found in cow's stomach. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's in the fourth stomach of a of a young calf. Right. It's the last one. Right. Now, the reason why it was found in a young calf is because young calves are the, the, the animals that drink milk. Mm-hmm. So when they're nice and young... They want to drink the milk, so they would actually. They need the enzyme to break down the milk. Exactly. Right. So they so and that's what the that's what rennet does is mm-hmm. it breaks down the milk and it, it separates coagulates the proteins it. and yeah exactly. Uh, so that's what br- brings it and makes it you know kind of stringy and and you know turns it into a, a lump. Right. So that would lump would be in the cow's stomach and he would you know eventually get it. Now we of course have a type of rennet in us mm-hmm. uh, in our stomach and that allows us to to be able to eat. Uh, and drink milk. Right. Uh, some people don't have as much as they get older, and those people are typically lactose intolerant. Right. But then there are some cheeses out there that use plant-based rennets. There are. Mm-hmm. Now, there are several different ways that you can get plant-based rennet. Um, there are, there's, there's, you know, I was talking about the grocery store Wegmans. You can buy plant-based rennet there. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of European uh, cheese makers will actually use the animal rennet. Right. When you come over here to the U.S., it's very unlikely we're going to use actual animal rennet. Right. Most likely, any cheese that you bought that has been made here in the States is going to be made with a type of vegetable rennet. Right. Or unless it's some sort of farmstead farm, you know, in Northern California, and that's yeah. their that's their shtick is they is that that's because what they, they use. can. There's certain FDA guidelines for organic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Organic, farm-raised, raw milk, and so they there's certain things they have to do or can do, versus the giant commercial companies that have to stick to strict regulations for FDA guidelines. Exactly. When it comes to milk and and other dairy products. Mm-hmm. Now, one of one of my favorite ways is uh, I actually found like a, a cool website called uh, Cultures for Health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know, I mean, there's some hippy dippy stuff is on there too. More but of the probiotic, sort right? Of thing? Yeah, okay. but one of the things is, is how to make thistle rennet for cheese making. Oh. So thistle is one of the things that that rennet is in. Yeah, um, I, well, I had star thistle honey for my the first mead that I for the first mead yeah. that you had. Yep. So this is a this is a you have to harvest bull thistle. This is mm-hmm. the you know, and there's it's basically you just take some ground up bull thistle, a bowl of warm water plastic mesh strainer and you can get the rennet out of it hmm. and use that for just you know a gallon of cheese making now this is typically for like home you know home a cheese making you're batch. not yeah this yeah, is, yeah. i mean if you're going to start a company do your own research right right you know what but i mean if you're making a you know a, a half a garage full of you know family cheese then right yeah not you're, a big deal. this is going to be past past my my knowledge, uh, right, right. But uh, there's also a, uh, a re- another really cool one that I found uh, that you can get rennet as well from figs. Oh, really? From figs? Fig sap. So you can actually take it. Uh, you're you're cutting the fig and you're you're basically squeezing it. You're getting the fig juice. Yeah, and there's rennet in there. You can get it. You know, 
uh, a lot of people will actually use the dry figs to, you know, to get the rennet out of as well. It is called bladderwort. Now, if you listen to our episode where we discussed uh, 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 carnivorous plants, mm -hmm. uh, you would have heard us discuss the bladderwort. It is a, I'm sorry, a butterwort. Uh, it's traditionally used in Europe to curdle milk for cheese making uh, and uh, yeah, just Northern Europe. And I mean, there's a lot of people that, that take that, you know, you can use it to, to help you make butter and you can use it to help you make cheese. So that's, you know, why it's called the butterwort, but it is a carnivorous plant. It is a meat eating plant as well. So I just thought that was really neat. You know, mm -hmm. our, our time, you know, callback uh, right. to our carnivorous plants episode. Joe, we were talking earlier before the podcast and we were wondering, you know, how there's different, different ways to make cheese and there's different things that cheese can come from. And it mm -hmm. all has to be milk, obviously, but uh, we were talking about it and we were saying how humans actually produce milk. Mm -hmm. And we were wondering if anyone has ever actually made human milk cheese. Oh, do I want to know this story? You really don't. Yeah. But uh, this is a village voice story uh, discussing... Village boys? Village, village voice. voice. Village voice. Okay. Where um, he... Like New York? Yeah, in like New York. village? Exactly. Uh, where this writer had heard of a... You know, you know, like those pop-up kitchens and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Someone will do like a pop-up kitchen, and they'll they'll. They were either... super kitschy like two years ago. Right, yeah. and they'll have like food at someone's house, mm -hmm. and people show up, and they or pay. garage or something. Exactly, crazy. and they'll have like a dinner there, and you know, and it's so apparently there was this one group of people who the chef was actually milking his wife and making cheese from it and bringing it in. Now, obviously, there's no what? way that you could do this on a commercial scale because you're taking milk you away a, from the actual baby. Yeah, and you, you know. need a lot of milk to make said cheese. Well, you, you really only got a little crustati with, you know, a little a little bit of the cheese on it, and that's it. You would okay. get, like, one or two of them. Right. And, and that, that was, was your that was appetizer, you and that was it. But, yeah, the, so there are people that make human milk cheese. It has happened... There are people that paid to eat it, huh. uh, but uh, would I be one of those people? The answer is no. That's, I mean, I've, I've had human milk. It's not terrible, but I don't know. It's a, that's a weird, uncanny valley to be in, I think. Yeah. Because you, you, now you've, it's like accidentally having a sip. Okay. Right. Preparing a completely separate meal yeah out of said sip that's a bit you know it's a bridge too far i think i don't think unless you are unless you are living in the citadel uh in uh near fury road <laughs> i don't think that you're gonna really get enough milk to actually make cheese out of right but i could be wrong yeah i do not know just witness me yeah but i mean you know witness they're gonna make some cheese out of that mm -hmm. so out of that mother's milk. Okay, so for our next cheese that you brought, we're changing it up a little bit. We're going to go with this lovely Venta Morales, which is this uh, nice little red wine that you brought. It's it's really nice. You it's, like it? It's it's mild. It's 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 right in the range where I like it too because sort it's of that not... buttery background flavor. Right. Yeah, slightly. And it's not too too dry. Right. Where it's not going to kill kill me. 
Right. Yeah, See, and I that's like the it. ones I like. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Aged Shiraz and, and right. This is Malbox. exactly my sweet spot. Yeah. Where it's just enough sweetness where I really like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and then uh, the cheese you brought. Now this is a cremeau, a cremeau de bougaron, bougaron de, de bougaron cremox de bougaron. Okay. That's how you say it in the Baltimore accent. Sure. Uh, it is a cow's milk, uh, and it is basically like a buttery uh, cow's milk cheese. Well, it looks very similar to a brie. Right. So if you can but think of a... I would say it looks even more like butter, though. I mean... Well, it, if you get a triple cream brie or... Uh, oh, there's a few other ones that are super smooth. But yeah, this is like... Now this we... Is basically just butter. Here's the thing is with this... It has a very, very thin rind. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, when you're talking most cheeses, should you eat the rind? Should you not eat the rind? People want to know, Joe. Uh, I don't think anything on a rind will ever hurt you unless it's super thick and waxy. Now, I have had some cheeses mm-hmm. that the rind is gross and dusty because it's been sitting and aging in a cave. Okay. Those kind of rinds, if it looks gray and dusty and gross, I would say don't eat it. Right. Well, I'm saying but that is personal best preference. Judgment. Yeah. If it tastes gross, don't eat it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It, if it tastes like sand or, you know, numerous other things, wax. Like, right. Rind is put on cheeses to preserve it, to right. protect it. The the wax on the baby bell. I would say don't eat it. However, no. you can make candles from it. Weird little oddly shaped. Red candles. candles. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Right. Let's uh, try. Right. So, Cremeau de Bougaron. De Bougaron. Holy smokes. Hmm. This stuff. It's mm-hmm. pretty, it's kind of, it tastes like footy butter. It's not even footy. No, it's a little footy. Did you get some of that rind? A ta- yeah. Rind's laying underneath them. It's like footy butter. This stuff is amazing. Ah, it's very light. In the foot. It's a little bit like footy butter. It's okay. Yeah. It's like someone left the butter out on the counter for three weeks. It's like a it's like a half mile jog footy, mm. not mm-hmm. a full day of work footy. Mm-hmm. It's like you just took a shower, half mile jog. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. That footy. Okay. Right, but it's not not gross. I've been working in these boots offensive. all day. Right. Slightly offensive. Like you would not be thrown off Mm-mm. of a train. Uh, public transportation for eating this. Right. For having a, a Burgermeister foot. Mm-hmm. Is that what you called it? <laughs> now, I can say there are some cheeses that are banned from public transportation mm. because they are so, so, so gross. Do you want to talk about the two that I found? Yes. Let's okay, do well, it. First off, I have personal experience with stinky cheese. Right. You love stinky cheese. I. Oh, my God. They're... Yes, there are so many wonderful flavors and The stinkier, and... the footier, the better for Joe. Right, right. Now, there are some that go into the realm of ammonia smelling. Right. Those, I can't, I can't handle those. I'll taste them, I'll try them, I'll experience them, mm-hmm. but I won't buy those again. Right. Because once you get past that, into that realm of like, you know, ammonia is a bad thing in almost all circumstances. And some cheeses, especially stinky cheeses, have hints of ammonia, which mm-hmm. is fine, perfectly fine. But when they get into, like, opening a bottle of ammonia, and you're like, that's too much. You're like, this smells like Windex? Right. It's either gone bad, 
mm-hmm. or it's just something that you're not okay with. Now, know? some cheeses, they say, when it has that ammonia flavor, that's one of the reasons why they say you're supposed to open them and let them breathe for exactly. an hour before you eat it, because mm-hmm. that ammonia is actually going to dissipate. Right, right. And uh, and it's not going to bug you as you're eating it. Right, exactly. So that's one of the reasons why stinky footy cheeses, you want to open them up, mm-hmm. air them out, and let your entire room get funked. <laughs> exactly. Because the off gases from the enzymes, mold, and cultures that make cheese, that is one of the off gases they put off, mm-hmm. is ammonia. So, but anyway, back to stinky cheeses. I found one from France. I think it would be... Eposa or Eposi. It's one of Napoleon's favorite cheeses. Okay. Not it is. It was. It was before one of Napoleon's he, favorite right. cheeses. Mm-hmm. Uh, made from raw cow's milk, and the rind is washed in pomace brandy. Oh, that doesn't sound bad. And pomace brandy, or, or Mark, as it's known, uh, it is a, a brandy that is made from the leftovers of making regular wine okay so then you distill that and make that into a brandy right kind of pungent to think about a cheese that is washed and sort of cured in this astringent pungent brandy Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it's left to age and to cure Uh, but it is one of those ones that has been banned from public transportation and people say it smells like rotting cheese Ugh. and ammonia. That sounds absolutely terrible. Mm. It all sounded delightful until you said it tasted like... It seems smells like, like rotting cheese. Like rotting cheese. And that's the thing. It could taste amazing. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're, the first sense that you get of it is its smell. Well, one of, one of the most... I guess widely known smelly cheeses is what Limburger, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people know Limburger. I've had Limburger. Is one of the smelly smelly cheeses, and it's, it's w- up there. Probably yeah. the one of the most widely known smelly ones. Names, yes, exactly. Yeah. So Limburger is Belgium, Germany, Netherlands, mm-hmm. those kind of places. I wasn't going anywhere with it. Oh, I just wanted just, to mention just, it. All right. Just... Right, because Limburger people know they've heard of Limburger before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't necessarily know crema de bagaron. Right. Or a camembert can be slightly funky. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Trappist cheeses that we had way back when, our Trappist episode. Call back to I, the Trappist episode. I think I had, what, two or three different chimay right. cheeses? Cheeses, yeah. They all tend to be super soft, super brie-like, mm-hmm. but they're washed and cured in the same beer that Shimei makes. Exactly, yeah. So it gives this sort of footy, funky, gym sake. Because you're adding yeast to it and things like that. Right. But you're also adding the flavor of the beer. Right. Well, the the, the what you wash the rind in, especially mm-hmm. if it's a thin rind, the, the bacteria will actually eat from the inside out or the outside in, depending on what kind of... As you age it. Right, depending on what kind of rinse or brine that you use. Man, can I just say, uh, this this uh, cremeau, mm-hmm. I can't stop eating this. This oh, stuff is awesome. Stuff. In fact, I'm going to gotta crack another piece of this <laughs> little pita stuff off that we have here. This is awesome. All right, so the other one I found is also French. Uh, it is called V-I-E-U-X. Vieux. 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 Vieux Lille. Uh, or the English word, uh, old stinker. 
Mmm. Uh, the old stinker. It also has the name Pont de Lis or Pont Macarie, which literally translates to the stinking pickle. Funny enough, that was also my nickname in high school. Was it? Mm-hmm. Ah, man. I thought it was Jerk. No, that was just you that called me that. Oh, okay. Uh, and it is said to be one of the world's smelliest cheeses. And again, from northern France. I don't know if it's just northern France. I believe France. that that is actually one of the, if I am correct, that is one of the cheeses that has been banned on public transportation. Yeah, it's 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 like durian. You know right. what I mean? It's yeah. just one it's of those so things. It's so smelly, stinky, and gross that you you know you just you can't have it with you right. like out in public like right. if you want to buy it keep it wrapped Fine. up and and put come it in your home. purse and go straight home right exactly <laughs> yeah don't open it up and eat it like don't on go the... in a cab don't take the train right don't take a bus go straight home so head head bowed in shame I I okay so this happened to me on a plane one time I mm. swear I was so hungry uh, we were driving we were actually flying to Florida to see my in-laws mm-hmm. and I was so hungry I thought I had enough time before boarding to go and grab a coffee and a bagel at Starbucks so I grab a coffee I grab a bagel you know it's no big deal and uh you know I, I'm all, finally like they're they're like oh ready to board and I'm just coming back with a coffee and Dana's like what are you doing why are you not here and I'm like I was so hungry I needed to eat something <laughs> so and I didn't want to have like a four-hour you know flight and not eat anything so so I'm like crap now I'm on the plane I need to eat I have a bagel literally sitting right in front of me so I just open it up and it you know I like had cream cheese to put yeah. on it mm-hmm. like you would think that I had opened up the 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 old stinker but all oh, it was no. was just plain regular cream cheese but I just had some dirty looks <laughs> dirty cream cheese no no just just from opening up the cream cheese because really? it, it was so I guess fragrant I mean, uh, it, it has that wonderful, like, sour cream, yeah, creme fraiche. They did not like, appreciate sour... it. They did not appreciate oh, it on the airplane. Such a and it's not, thing. It's, it was just cream cheese. It's not like you I was got, opening up Limburger. Or you should have got the Nosferatu cheese. Uh, the Nufenchel? Yeah, I, I was pr- calling probably... Nosferatu. <laughs> Nufichel, mm-hmm. the, the Nufichel. That's uh, that's actually what you make the like, make cheesecake out of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just another another nice cheese bake, mm-hmm. cheese bake, cheese uh, thing, cheese thing. Cheese I'm so thing. articulate. Right, you sound, after right. one beer and a glass of wine. I know, Jesus. So Joe, I do have something that I want to mention. Yeah. Uh, do you know why we say cheese when we're taking photos? I have an idea. Fromage, or if you're Phineas and Ferb, you say fromage. Fromaggio? (laughs) It was just one of the funniest things. They were like, say cheese, and everybody said cheese, and the one kid was like, fromage. I just thought it was funny. Okay. Uh, So anyway, uh, the reason why we say cheese is because the ch and the e makes the ends of your smile go up. Right. Right. So, so it wasn't from like the the 1930s cheese consortium had nothing to do with that. In fact, uh, back in the day when uh, when photos were first introduced mm-hmm. and they started becoming a little bit more popular with brownies, the brownie is oh, the camera, was not, a type of camera, not like a not like small child, not like California to pot brownies or anything. Okay. Uh, or or Colorado pop brownies, mm-hmm. uh, but originally you would you would have to sit and stay there for a very long time while you were taking a photograph. So people would uh, that were photographers would actually tell you to say the word prune, p 
Prune? Prune. Prunes, as in the, uh, the, the, you know, like dates, prunes, but they would say, tell you to say prune. And the reason why they would say, tell you to say prune is because it actually sends the ends of your smile down. Right. And the reason why is because at the time, people would not smile for pictures. Oh, no. You look at any of those old time pictures. The old Victorian pictures, like, things like I that. They're like, I hate life. Exactly. And the reason why they did that is because the, the, you would have to sit there for several hours, four to five hours, in the same exact pose in to order to... lighting and everything. And to, then, no, to, for it to expose, for the, for the actual camera to expose and, and to actually get something on the photographic hmm. plate. You would have to sit there for five hours. And if you were to sit there in a, in a smile the entire time, you would actually be very fatigued. Your mouth would be very fatigued. I don't know if you've ever no, hung out with friends. I thought, you, I thought my mom said you use more muscles making frowns and you do smiling. Mm, I don't think she was right. <laughs> so, but actually smiling, if you've ever hung out with your friends and laughed a lot. Oh god, yeah. The next day yes. your 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 smile hurts, your cheeks hurt. Yeah, yeah, so, you're working those muscles out. Exactly. So, uh so, you know, it, it's actually, you know, you would you would frown. It's more beneficial for a, a to stay in that position rather than a sprint of a smile. Right, exactly. So now when people smile, you say cheese, you bring up the corners of your mouth when you say cheese. It helps mm. pe- everyone look like they're smiling, especially children. Yeah. But they would take photographs of children, look like them, give them a great big smile because now they're done in an instant, you know, and then you're done taking the picture. So mm. it's much easier to catch them saying cheese. And that is the origin of say cheese when you're taking a photograph. Nice. So let's talk. I've got a few other odd cheeses that I want to mention. So let's so talk good. about the two most expensive cheeses mm-hmm. for almost two different reasons. So there is the Clausen Stilton Gold, and it sells for... Is it wrapped in gold? Like wrapped in gold, uh, like tinfoil or something? Almost, almost. It sells for a mere 60 lira, which... I have no clue. That's what... per 100 grams. Okay. And that's about a thousand dollars per gram holy crap yeah and the whole reason is because it is in the the sort of melding process they use gold decor which is probably something like gold schlager if you guys are familiar with that yeah i know i know but then it is riddled like a blue cheese not with blue cheese but with edible gold leaf oh so it has gold inside of it. Right. So it's a kitschy, and it seems like it is a basic white Stilton, which Stilton cheese is amazing. It's mm-hmm. really good if you can find it with like like raspberries in it. Oh, right. Oh, that's great. But this has gold leaf in it. Right. So It just sounds like something Donald Trump would buy Yeah, it's and like put the, his name on it. Exactly. It's ridiculous, but one of the most expensive cheeses. No, that's, that's excess. Yes. The other one is called Pool, or maybe Pule? Pule? P-U-L-E. Okay. Like Mule, but Pule? Pule. Uh, And it's Serbian in origin, and it costs around $1,700 a pound. That's quite a bit. Quite a bit. But here's the thing. I don't think this is a kitschy, kitschy, let me rake in all your money sort of endeavor. It's made from donkey milk. Okay, so you're talking a you know rather niche market. Right. 
uh, and a how many do- donkeys can you milk? Uh, you know you have mean? to milk quite a bit. It takes about twenty-five liters of donkey milk to make one wheel of cheese, and it's made solely on the Zazavica Special Nature Preserve. Probably the biggest reason for the giant cost is that the average cost of milk, regular cow's milk in that region, is $45 a liter. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot yeah. for a liter of milk. Yeah, that's, and you know what a liter is. Like, it's a half gallon. Yeah, right. You know, that's a lot of money. Oh, uh, a liter? No, a liter is like a quarter of a gallon. Well, yeah, sorry, a quarter yeah, of a gallon. Yeah, even less, yeah. So... The people from the preserve make this locally sourced, locally, you know, milked from the, their, their donkeys on the preserve. Mm-hmm. They make this cheese. So they say it's a, the cost is based on the market value from the, the donkey milk for the, the amount of milk they have to get to make one thing of cheese right based on the cows you know the average cow milk cost that's why it'll run you seventeen hundred dollars a pound so how much if i just want to get a sliver i, I just want a sliver of it i, know, I just <laughs> wanted to try it i just want to try can it. we just try we it just try we we, we just want to try it and smell it for christ's sakes if i drank <laughs> civet cat Poop, coffee bean, right. coffee. Yeah. If I've done that, mm-hmm. I want to just try a little bit of everything. I know, exactly. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like we had talked about mozzarella because I had made some, mm-hmm. but scientifically uh, there was actually a study in the Journal of Food Science uh, that scientifically has proven why mozzarella is the best cheese to have on top of pizza. Call back to the pizza episode. Okay. They tried several different cheeses, including cheddar, Colby, Edam, uh, Eminental, Gare, Provolone, and of course mozzarella, all on pizza crusts, and baked them in the oven. Uh, and what they were able to do is they were able to look at the different uh, black spots, the burnt spots on the top of the pizza, mm-hmm. and determine what had the most uniformity uh, in the cheese, to seeing what, what spots were brown, what spots were black and burned. And determine what had the most uniformity and what made the best pizza. The reason why mozzarella made the best, it has the best moisture to protein ratio. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't you can't judge just on burn marks alone. Well, it says you so to, in the Journal of Food Science, Joe. Yeah, but you judge on like texture and and flavor and. Well, it also has to do with the elasticity of of mozzarella cheese. Well, there is the that. moisture content. Yeah. They actually and, measure that. You know right. that? With yeah. like a ruler, and they stretch it out to. In, yeah, and see in, when it breaks. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, the amount of oil that's released as the cheese melts, which is why you have those puddles of oil. That's on the top of usually your... from. Uh, mozzarella cheese that isn't all milk. No, I mean, any any mozzarella is going to do that. Yes. It's going to release some oils. It's going to sit on top. Some, uh, yes. If you have crappier mozzarella cheese, with like you're going to get those half, gigantic puddles Right, on top. with like half parsley hydrogenated oils and stuff right, for exactly. filler. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Is yeah. If you have true mozzarella cheese, it's it, of course it's going to release oils. Exactly. 
but it's not going to be a swamp of yeah, oil a, oh, amongst yeah, your oil swamp. Yeah. yeah, amongst your mushrooms and your pizza. Yeah, exactly. So it's not going to look like uh, like you're like you're like you're dipping fondue in it. Right. Exactly. Oddly enough, Joe, fondue. Okay, fondue. <laughs> yeah. Fondue is a cheese is a cheese thing. I, I know. I thought we should talk about fondue. All right, let's do fondue you know the, it. Do you know the origins of fondue? I know it is delicious, and I have two fondue sets, which I have never used. Really? Yes. Well, uh, fondue... Except for the forks. I've, I've swashbuckled with those, but that's And that's about fun. it. Yeah. Uh, fondue is uh, typically a, a ubiquitous Switzerland treat. And 1970s American treat. And, and not, yeah, yeah, in the 1970s. And a lot of the idea is that you know people would sit in the snow-covered Alps... Hang around with their friends mm-hmm. with pots of bubbling fondue. Which is basically a hot cheese goo. Hot cheese goo. It's not really soup. It doesn't really have the, the consistency of soup. It's, it's thicker, so it's not really a sauce. Right. It's more of a gravy. It's a cheese gravy. It is kind of like a, a cheese gravy. Thick cheese gravy. Right. And, of course, sipping a glass of chilled wine oh, yeah. you know, with it. Uh, now, basically, typically what they do... Is they take a you know they take your your cheese, mm-hmm. uh, you put it in a sort of melting pot, right uh, over top of a flame. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mix some wine and possibly some other ingredients with it if you want some spices or something like mm-hmm. that. And then you take bits of bread, you dip it in there and you eat it. And everyone sits around and they have like a communal right. kind of dinner, dipping right. fondue bread, in the cheese, bread, fruit. You can put anything in a fondue pot. Right. Really. But traditionally, it was typically the bread. And the reason right. why is because uh, people would do this during the wintertime in the Alps after getting done skiing. They mm-hmm. would uh, want to warm their bellies. And your bread starts to become, you know, traditionally, back in the day, mm-hmm. your bread would start to become hard. Nice and crusty and hard. Yep. Because, you, you, you know, you baked it in the fall. Right. During the harvest mm-hmm. and during the cold winters, it would start to become kind of stale. Right. Uh, then your cheese would also, you know, start to lose its moisture content and you couldn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eating it was kind of starting to get hard because it was starting to get hard. Right. You know, and it would get really chewy and tough. So they would take it and they would melt it and then they would dip the bread in it to soften it. And that like- was a way to kind of get around your, 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 your bread and your cheese that were starting to get a little bit old. Oh, for so the it's season. A way to, to use up something. Kind of like is... the way when we originally talked about pizza. Yeah. You would have your stale bread, and they would just throw some cheese on top, and they would, you know, right. They, right. So that you could use up the stale bread. You could yeah, use up the leftovers. It's without wasting. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. So and fondue was another way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, there, you know, some other regions have also uh, done other things besides cheese. Uh, especially, I believe it was like France and Spain and a few other places, during the medieval times, uh, they would have the the type of fondue where you would take meat and dip them in boiling oil. Right. Those, although they're not cheese, but I'm still going to talk about them because they're fondue and we're talking about fondue at the moment. Okay. <laughs> they would have boiling oil sitting in a pot somewhere out in the field. So instead of running all the way back to the farmhouse to eat... To have your lunch out in the field, you uh-huh. would have your pot of boiling oil as right. you were harvesting and doing things, getting ready for the winter. Uh-huh. You would take your little bits of meat and you would put them on a little tiny fork. You would dip them in the boiling oil and you would cook them right then and there. Is that... And then, and then eat them. Would that be frying or would that be confit? You're, I'm not sure. Depends on the heat, right? It, I guess it depends on the heat. But you're, yeah, basically you're frying 
meat out in the field. That's kind of neat. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and then there's also uh, certain types of Chinese fondue where they also take boiling hot broth and they dip things into the boiling hot broth. Right. Well, that I think that gets in like hot pot territory. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's, it's a whole, that's a whole different level. But yes, it's very similar. Right. And there's also, there's also some, uh, some conjecture that mm-hmm. someone of, uh, of a, that might have been from Switzerland had gone to China and seen them doing it and wanted to bring it back. But, you know, nobody's really 100% sure about those yeah, kind of things. Yeah, but that's how those things It's work. like, you know, Marco Polo and, and uh, uh, you know, in the pool with the spaghetti. You're not sure, did he bring it back from China or didn't he? You right, know what I mean? Right, right, Did it, exactly. you know, was it parallel thinking or wasn't it? So you've just opened what looks like to me a wonderful blue cheese. It is a blue cheese. This is a Spanish blue. Now, this one is cow and goat's milk. Okay. Uh, and it's from Spain. It's called Valdeon. This is a Valdeon. Valdeon blue cheese. Valdez? Valdeon. Okay. Val- Exxon Valdeon blue cheese. Exxon now, Celine Valdeon. I also want to say that I've done a lot of research to see with blue cheese, because I've seen it spelled right. B-L-E-U. As well as B-L-U-E. Yes. Now, blue is the English spelling, B-L-U-E. Yeah. And B-L-E-U is the French spelling. Mm Mm-hmm. It is perfectly okay either way. It depends on which language you're speaking. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you want to call it B-L-E-U and you are a English language speaker... It's acceptable. It is acceptable. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, It's like the difference between saying that it's... Ye old shoppy or ye old shop. Gotcha. It's it's really it, it doesn't matter either way you want to do it. Okay. Aluminium, aluminum. Right. Either way is fine. Depends on where you come from. Herb or herb because there's an H in there. Right. Yeah. Some fresh herbs. Right. Herbs. I kind of do like a little bit of both. Herbs? Some fresh her herbs. Her herbs. Her herbs. Her herbs. I put some fresh her herbs in this cheese. <laughs> All right. Now, my, my last two are exceptionally strange. Okay. At least in my cheese wheel that I've experienced. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, Joe. I, what? I totally forgot to tell you about an article that I, I, I read. I'm sorry. I don't mean to break in. Go but ahead. I know you. Did you hear about the, um, the, the, uh, the big cheese factory explosion? No. There was debris everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh god you're a monster oh give me another glass of wine <laughs> let's move on i'll be ready for this yeah let's give me another glass of wine thank you very much sir okay so as we are trying this wonderful spanish blue oh god it smells great it does smell good wonderful musty here's the thing musty here is i know joe already did the cheese tips mm. here is what'd you call me joe already did the cheese tips Tips. Oh, they call me That's cheese tits. Cheese tits. <laughs> I only call it people that I really like cheese tits. That's why, I, yeah. No, I, I'm going to give you the cheese tips. Uh, one of the things that you do when you, you go to try a new cheese for the first time is to smell it. Oh, yeah. It's a very typical thing you do with wine, cheese, yeah. beer, any, any of that, anything good, anything tasty. And as you do that, especially with a really, really creamy cheese, 
is when you put it up to your nose to smell it, try not to rub it on your nose because then you're just going to smell that for the rest of the night. Unless you wipe it off your nose. No, I mean, even if you do wipe it off your nose, it's not necessarily going to come okay. off. The gotcha. smell is going to stick there on the tip. Gotcha. It really does smell good. It does smell very, very good. We're going to try this first, and mm-hmm. then you're going to give me some uh, some lowdown? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Mmm. 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 Blue cheese is so disgusting and so delicious at the same time. It's not disgusting. It's got mold in it, Joe. It's got a cousin to penicillin in it. Not to say that eating a brick of blue cheese will cure your venereal disease. Um, Really? Because that's what I was counting on. No, it won't. But they are cousins. They are all a member of the penicillin family. Which makes me feel slightly better about eating it. Okay, good. Just saying. Good. All right, so let's talk about some pretty darn weird cheeses. From Germany, there is a cheese called... Milbenkas. It is made in a generally normal cheese fashion. Okay. Until the ripening stage, where the fresh cheese is allowed to sit amongst thousands of dust mites. Mmm, this sounds really gross. So it is allowed to ripen while the dust mites are kind of slowly nibbling away at the exterior of the oh, rind. Man, this sounds like the rind, the, the cheese that I ate with the rind that was all weird and dusty. Yeah. It makes me feel really gross it's, now that I ate that. It's very similar to that. So the, the dust mites excrete an enzyme that ripens the cheese. In one month, the cheese turns yellow. In three months, the cheese turns a lovely reddish brown. In one year... The cheese turns almost black. And then it's ready to eat. Mm. Once Uh, it's black. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Along with a healthy amount of the remaining dust mites. So, so, I mean, here's the thing. Is that the enzyme basically does the same thing that retin does. Mm -hmm. So it, it breaks down the proteins, but it does it from the outside in rather than the inside out. Yeah. Um, but again, it also adds things like ammonia and nitrates and things from the dust mites poop. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. So. But if you think about it, if you're drinking beer or mm-hmm. wine or any alcohol, right. you're basically drinking the excrement of yeast. Yeah, but it's you can't visibly see that. Uh, On this cheese, yeah. not that you can see the individual dust mite poops, but it, you know it's gone through some weird-ass process. Now, supposedly, it happened out of necessity. Like, a, an entire farm made regular cheese, their regular farm cheese, and it just happened to get involved with the dust mites. Whether it was, you know, a bad process or something, but it got infested. They decided, this cheese is still good. Yes, it tastes weird and funky and awesome, but it's still edible and it can't hurt us. You know what I mean? I'll be the judge of that. Again, yeah, that was, but that was how supposedly that was created. I think I'm going to pass on that one. Blue cheese is my line. Mm-hmm. It's a thin blue line and that ends at blue cheese. That's as far as I go. Just you and Tom Selleck. That's it. All right. He was in that show, right? 
I think so. The blue something, the blue line I don't know. or something. It's, you Tom, gotta, it's Tom Selleck. You gotta stop me with this wine. Mm-mm. I, I gotta drink wine this, and get crazy. Let's finish this bottle. Anyway, all right, so the last one that I want to talk about that I think is, again, it's probably out of necessity, but it is horrendously weird in, in my head. It is called Kasu Marzu. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the one that they make uh, on the island? On like the Italian? Sardinia? Uh, yes, the island of Sardinia, mm-hmm. known because they are a sardine fishing village, right? Right, right. And, and I'm not talking those little cans of gross, smelly, oily crap sardines. No, they get the big sardines. They get real sardines. And they can those too. Mm-hmm. If you can find, if you're lucky enough to find these wonderful, like, aged large sardines sardines from sardinia those things are tasty compared right. to these little gross smelly you know like oily things mm-hmm. completely different ballpark okay but if you think sardines are gross yeah you're saying this cheese is it's not gross it's just i, I don't know how to approach it okay? really i don't really i don't if i if i ran into this in an actual place i don't know how i would approach it how about like with a face mask? Yeah, well, of some okay, sort? okay. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, Casa Marzu, the name means rotten cheese, but it is locally known in Sardinia as a maggot cheese. No, because no, <laughs> no, <laughs> live living maggots are in the cheese. Why would you do that? <laughs> Again, it goes back to like the dust mite thing. So it is made from a local sheep's milk cheese called Pecorino Sardo. That is the normal, like, local cheese. That's the normal cheese. Yeah. Before it's grossified. Right. Right. So lovely little classic cheese. Uh, I would eat Pecorino Sardo. Yeah. I would eat Pecorino Sardo in a house with a mouse. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, It is a semi-hard cheese. That is then introduced to the lovely Pafilia Casse, which is the average cheese fly. So it's a it's a fly mm-hmm. that they let onto the cheese. Right. Well, typically, I think they introduce the the premature larvae, which are cultivated specifically for this. But I the think larva, the, it's maggots. Right. Maggots. Oh, maggots, yeah. So larva. they put maggots on on the Pecorino Sardino. Sardo. Sardo. Mm-hmm. It's like Zardos. Right. <laughs> Zardos! And they eat it with the sar- sardinias. Right. The sardines. Right. right? Is, do they? No. I would think so. No. No? Uh, Two so, totally separate dishes? So, yes. So they introduce... The, uh, the cheese fly to the sardo. But there's a weird thing. The acid in the digestive system of the larva actually will break down the fats and turn the final product into a soft and almost liquid cheese. Very similar to this. Very similar to, to the buttery gorgeousness the, that the you cremeau. brought. Right. So imagine... Except the, for the, the cremeau de bourgerine <laughs> did not have magouts in it. Lots of magouts. <laughs> true, true. But so you add a, a, 
one or two levels of grossness factor. <laughs> no, hold on. Like a, a funk to this with hold on with <laughs> living larva inside the core of of your your buttery goodness. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to pass. You're I'm going to pa- pass. You got to pass on it. I don't I'm going to pass God. on it. Okay. I'm not going to eat this in Sardinia. Okay. When I go to Sardinia next week, I am not going to ask for Casa Marzu. All right. Well, you might. So, so here's the thing you have to remember. If you go there, locals consider it unsafe to eat the Casa Marzu once the larvae have died. So that is, that is your, your canary in a, a mine shaft. So you're saying that the maggots have to be alive and oh, turning into flies. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and it's safe. But once they're dead, don't it's eat gone it. off. Right. Yeah. Even the maggots won't eat it. Mm. So it is recommended. If you choose to leave the maggots in said cheese, typically we'll bring out the cheese to you. So if you want a little extra protein. Well, hold on, hold on. Some people will eat the whole thing, maggots and all, and some people will shoo the maggots to the side of the plate. (laughs) Your face is priceless. This is so gross. But it is recommended, either or, you shooing the maggots to the side or eating it all in one one bit or on your crostini uh, to sort of put a hand over or near said cheese because when the larvae are startled or jostled they tend to jump up to six or seven inches so you can have a face full of maggots jumping out of your cheese so as you're trying to eat the cheese they jump up into your eyeballs right so it is suggested that you just kind of put a hand up you know as sort of like to block the some junk. sort of a face guard. Wear a bandana <laughs> as you're right. eating the cheese. Yes. Some sort of a blindfold to mm-hmm. make sure you aren't blinded. That is by far the absolute grossest cheese. I, I swear. I would. It's bizarre. It is bizarre, but it is it is no it is not dissimilar to something like Huerlocoche, which is a a moldy. Which is another thing I won't eat. Funky corn. Yeah. It's the same thing. It came That's, out of necessity. Quidlicoche is how you get he who walks behind the rose. You, That's how that happened. I know a place that sells it, and it is gorgeous, and it tastes very similar to your blue cheese. No, uh, that's how you get children of the corn. That's you, how that happened. Next time I go for, for, for actual Mexican food, I will take you with me, and you can try Quidlicoche. I am Malachi. <laughs> All right. But that's not how that happens. Are you sure about that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's from Quidlicoche. Okay. All right. <laughs> it seems where, like you're kind of angry at me, Joe. No, no, no. I'm just joking about the Quidlicoche. It's okay. not that. I'm it's, saying, like, I know a, a place kind of that mold. actually has it, and it's good. Is it good? It, it tastes very much like blue cheese, but it's corn, which is weird. weird. That's weird. But it tastes like blue cheese. Well, so far we've had four different kinds of cheeses. We've mm-hmm. had some salsa. We've had some wine. We've had some beer. Yeah. And uh, I think... Uh, pretty sauced up. Pretty I'm pretty sauced up. up, and I am full of cheese proteins. So I'm going to call it. cheese proteins. Uh, I'm not ever going to eat kasu marzu. It's not going to happen. Okay. Because I don't eat anything that I have to cover my face because maggots might fly at me. What about the uh, milben kas with the dust mite poop? No. No? Not going to do it. No? But nope. Maybe, maybe an old stinker? Nope. Mm, old stinker wait, maybe? old stinker. I would probably do old stinker. Okay. All That's, right. That sounds really good. Okay. That sounds good. I would eat that on a crostini. Okay, so right. so next uh, wine and cheese party. 
Old Stinker. Old Stinker. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the the human milk mm-hmm. uh, cheese, I wouldn't do that either. Just drink straight human milk. I Cut out I the middleman. I don't think that I would be allowed. <laughs> because I'm married. Oh, that's right. Uh, Sorry. But, but anyway, okay, well... Uh, thank you so much for coming along and enjoying our cheese fest. And we only scratched the surface. Trust we really me, there did. will be plenty of links for Amazon stuff, which there are dozens and dozens of wonderful little cheese packets and, and things to go along with your cheese cutting boards. And so it goes guys... it goes a lot deeper than Petridge Farms. Exactly. So keep an open mind. And open palate and just go out there and try some cheese because it's awesome. And to end it, to our friend Lars Periwinkle, who wanted to be on the cheese episode, our scheduling is all screwed, and we're so, so sorry. We love Hobo Radio, and we will have you on Cheese Part 2. Part 2? Part 2. Cheese Part 2. And uh, to Joel, hope you're doing okay out there in California. We miss you. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecurioso podcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curioso podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curioso podcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. You're basically... I got wine tongue. Excuse me. Do it again. How hard are they? (laughs) They're so hard that when I chop them with a hatchet, they fly and stick in the walls like ninja stars. That's awesome. Mine too. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually like a pair of hedge clippers I use. Right. No, I use like the big, the big boys, you know what I mean? To chop them off or whatever. But they literally, they're so hard Mm. that they, they, they like fly across the freaking room. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, that's why you put them in jars. I do keep them in jars. Yeah. All of my fingers and toenails. Uh, I've been keeping all them. All your fingers? My fingernails and toenails. Oh, fingernails I've been keeping them for, I think, about five or six years now. That's a lot of fingernails and toenails. It's, yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah. So, hmm. are we going to get started, or did we just do that? <laughs>